What is up? We are we are back. We are live. I have yet again hijacked the show from Alex. Get out of here. Bye, Alex. Um, and I'm joined by photographer, adventurer, and just all-around humanitarian, Timothy Allen. Thank you so much for joining me uh, down in Mexico. How are you doing? Uh, very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, in Mexico. Lovely place. Can you share, is it like Mexico City or are you closer to a beach? Uh, we're, we're very much closer to a beach. Um, I'm kind of in the Yucatan Peninsula in, in an, uh, let's, let's call it an undisclosed location for the time being, but but uh, very close to the beach because I have my whole family with me. So um, Lovely. the nearer to the beach, the better. Uh, you learn that as a father after, after a few years. <laughs> you mean to tell me that they, uh, they enjoy the warm weather and water to just sort of dip into? Yes. I mean, when, when, when you're trying to run a business uh, and you're spending your whole life with your kids, you get very used to making sure there's something to distract them at all times. Uh, and in a place like this, that's either a beach or the pool. Um, and we've got both here, so so it's all good. You always have to have a body of water to keep them entertained. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, and um, me as well. Tell me a little bit, like, what, what prompted, if you don't mind sharing, like, what spurred your wife and you to decide, like, let's go down to Mexico for a little bit? Was there um, desire just to get away? Was it getting a little too uncomfortable where things were? Um, it's, it's, it's a combination of a lot of, uh, a lot of those things. Um, like, um, like I, I've, I've run a media company for like almost 20 years with my, with my uh, partner. And when COVID hit, our, our income went pretty much down to zero almost instantaneously because all my work's abroad. And, and when you're making films, especially in organizing expeditions like years in the future, it's not a very easy thing to bounce back from. So that was the kind of beginning of it all, I suppose, that we had to make a few really sort of serious life decisions. And then as you kind of progress along uh, that route, you know, after the first year wondering whether, whether things are going to get back to normal, then they're not, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you start thinking about uh, where you want to position yourselves. And we, we, had, we, we, we had a few things we could leverage in our favour to sort of support us in a completely new sort of way of life slash business model. And, and what part of that is coming to Mexico and various other places in Central America and other, other places as well. And kind of living a completely new life. Fortunately for me, of course, out here. Um, well, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Bitcoiners out here as well. And we're very close to El Salvador and um, Florida, where you know a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff's going on. So it's a, it's a nice little place to position yourself, and, and surprisingly, a large number of people, like-minded people, have have come to the same conclusion. That that's truly wonderful to hear. And again, just as a reminder for those who are watching who aren't as familiar with Timothy Allen's work, uh, you are an incredible photographer and filmmaker. I mean, you you went on adventure after adventure and captured uh, true beauty in places that not everyone goes and visits um, during this time, sort of exploring Mexico and Central America, were there things that stood out to you as a surprise or things that, you know, aligned with the expectations you may have had going in? Um, well, we've only just got here. So, so uh, I mean, we'll, I'm literally 10 days into Mexico. Oh. Um, so <laughs> A lot, a lot of the, I mean, I've been to a lot of countries over the years and I've never actually set, set foot in Mexico before. 
Um, and we've kind of rocked into the most touristy section of it, I suppose. It's very, you know, it's 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 a little bit a little America here, depending on where you go. But we flew into Cancun, so everywhere around here is 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 you know oft you know it's becoming a bit of a holiday destination has been for a while for Americans. So that that didn't really surprise me. I I didn't really have a huge amount of expectations. Uh, in coming here in what it was going to be like other than the fact I, I knew it was the Caribbean so I assumed it would be hot and sunny which it is and um, so far great people slightly more expensive than I imagined it would be funnily enough it's and I think that's the the US influence that's done that oh I but, don't doubt yeah, that I mean, what's that I don't doubt that all all of those like vacation destinations and spring break spots for the college kids end up being it's not it's not priced as though Mexico is pricing it's priced as though American tourists come in and drive the prices up well it's it's what was in what's been interesting for us is it was we came from Spain we were in Spain two months before living there came to here and um, it's on a sort of day-to-day basis where we are here is more expensive than Spain I would I would say and um, what surprises me is uh, like not everyone is 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 interacting with tourism in the way that obviously if you're if you're if if you're a certain echelon of society you can make relatively decent money, but if you're not, I'm I'm quite surprised at how expensive things are in the shops. Uh, I've yet to find out how how your average person here is is affording it. But there are it's been it's been it's been really eye opening, and we're looking forward to. I think we're going to be here for a good few months. They're very generous with the visa requirements here, and and you get six months as a as a um, an, an English person like myself. So that's plenty of time to have a really good route around. Plus, of course, it's very quick to nip over do your pilgrimage to el salvador which which we're going to do as well um, that would be lovely um i i've only been hearing amazing things and you'll have to you'll have to clue us in and take as many pictures as you can of bitcoin beach as it's being built out the bitcoin community is definitely very excited to see what uh what gets built out we only hear great things coming out of those who are down there yeah and i've got um and a couple of friends here bitcoiner mates that i've known for a while um, who have spent months down there already, and and I think pro- possibly I'm not sure. I'll, I'll go and visit El Zonte, of course. You you kind of have to, but I'm a little bit more interested in in the broader broader story of 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 it of what's going on. And um, from what I know of you know, I don't know places like El Zonte. Not that there are, but in in non Bitcoin places like El Zonte, they they often sort of like exist in a bubble and. Um, I want to really see see the the rest of the country, especially the the part of the country where they're planning to build the Bitcoin city, because I could easily see myself positioning us there for a few months. Just because I, I I just I mean I, I've 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 been a journalist for many years. I wouldn't say I necessarily do do it now, but uh, you know I worked at a national newspaper for eight years when I was younger. So I've got it in my blood, and whenever something's happening, it's it, it's really tempting to position yourself close to it and just be amongst it. And and I know what it's like because I've lived in various countries around the world over the years, and um, it's always better to be there. And you know, given the choice, like you know, if, if as a Bitcoiner, you know, I think the the big mecca is is Austin in Texas, but but the more interesting play is to go to uh, El Salvador. And just position yourself there because 
it's the you know it's a it's an experiment in the making and if it if it works as we all anticipate that it will um you can make a life for yourself amongst it i mean uh, you know and, and things like that are really exciting um for me especially i want to go back a little bit just to have you share with with us and, and our viewers what was what was your orange pilling experience who was it that told you about bitcoin how how was it received were you skeptical at first did you dive head first into the rabbit hole walk us talk us through that a little bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a skeptic in the slightest in the beginning. In fact, I didn't really, I, I, looking back, I, I don't think I really knew what it was I was being talked to about because I, I, I came from a very different world, you know, the, the world of, the, of journalism and the media. And, and I had absolutely no interest in anything financial or, you know, I, I mean, I was covering let's say the kind of stories I was covering it, it were, were had, a, had a libertarian edge to them, let's say. I've always been very freedom-minded, but, but I'd never even contemplated anything like money, Bitcoin, or anything. Um, I met a guy on a plane flying out to the Middle East, and he was a, he, I, he's a doctor of some kind anyway. It's one of those planes where you could sit at the bar and get pissed, you know. And he... I remember him going on about it for hours and he was, he was really massively into dash as well. I don't know whether that is that even still going and it, like, and he was kind of like, you know, telling me all this stuff, which when I look back now in hindsight, it was all a load of crap really, but he was so enthusiastic. Um, and I think it was true for a lot of us back then, you know, the further back in history that you go with Bitcoin, the less everyone knew about it. It's quite astonishing now, you know, how much everyone, kind of instantaneously knows about you know the network the, the money side of it the libertarian sides of it it's all it's all it all comes in a package now and i think it, in the past you kind of pieced this stuff together and i didn't really understand um the any of the implications of it in the the long term of course but this guy was so enthusiastic and he and when i got back i i i had a quick look and it opened up like what interested me instantaneously um, was, I'd, I'd, like I say, I've never had any interest at all in anything financial. It, I've, I've always thought that that world was boring, you know, and it opened me up to the notion that economics and this, this aspect, you know, is a very fascinating subject. You know, it's the, the subject of people expressing value through, through uh, you know, um, whatever medium. And all of a sudden, like, slowly over the years, I realized there, it was like, because I've always been an avid people watcher. I've, my whole life I've spent analyzing people, photographing them and filming them. And I'd, I'd overlooked the fact that the, the sort of, um, the network of value between people is an amazingly interesting way of looking at the world. And, and, um, and then that led me on to what is money, of course, which is the almost as big a rabbit hole as Bitcoin itself, if not is the same rabbit hole, I don't really know. Um, but, but, and then, you know, like, yeah. And then I started acknowledging the, the how important the decentralized aspects of it were. And cause I, being a sort of freedom lover my whole life. So it was, it was, I had no skepticism in the beginning because I, all, all I had to go on was this incredibly enthusiastic doctor on a plane who, who like most people now, you know, you know, never stop going on about, it, you know, I mean, God forbid anyone asks me about Bitcoin. 
you know, I, I have, I've got used to over the years really toning it back a bit and and hardly saying anything, hopefully, but sometimes you just forget and next thing you know, you know, they're looking at you with this glazed expression going, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know, time chains and, and you know, like, you know, because like, you know, the, the, the whole, the Bitcoin world has moved on a lot since then. And it, the kind of the philosophical aspects of it were rarely talked about back in the day. And the, and the, implica- the, the very macro implications of hard money and, and, you know, like um, how, you know, deflationary, um, you know, t- money, these kind of things. Um, and and there's a lot of that about now, and I'm I'm very I'm very glad that it's it's being spoken about because it is highly interesting and um, has has put a number of the pieces of the puzzle together back together for me. There were various missing pieces, and because I I for years I wasn't 100% sure why this thing was so important, especially because um, I've worked in the I suppose what you call the it's a bit like the environmental world for, for quite a while. I studied zoology at university. I worked in Southeast Asia and then I moved into journalism and I often, you know, kind of covered the, the sort of environmental world. So I know it very well. And, and when it clicked, when, when, the, when the understanding of the sort of macro implications of, you know, the hardest money in history clicked in, in a sense of my environmental life, it was an absolute moment, you know, and 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 it was a, it was one of the biggest pieces that was missing, because I know that world quite well, and I know the kind of people that populate it, and they're not very good at seeing through, say, the fact that Bitcoin uses a lot of energy, you know, that, that they'll stop there, quite quite simply and in easily, and you really do have to push through that to, to understand where where this thing is going if if sort of widespread adoption occurs um and and you need you need more than a conversation with a mate or, or with with someone who works in the environmental world you you need to be orange pilling them consistently over a sort of six month period because you know as everyone knows that is bitcoin's it's all about the hours you put in it's all about the proof of work if you put in the hours to understand it um, you're, you know, you, you get it and you know, everyone in the, in this kind of who, anyone that's interested in Bitcoin, you know, how much they know about it, um, instantaneously, because it's, it's, you have to put in the hours to learn it. And if you've put in the hours, I don't yet know many people. In fact, I don't know anyone, but I'm sure there are people out there who don't come to the same conclusions. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's a mind-blowing thing, and I'm, I'm very gra- grateful that it's sort of in our lives. I, uh, I'm going to need to pick your brain on on tips of toning back my Bitcoin conversations with friends because I've been uh, I've been labeled the Bitcoin guy anytime anything happens. What do you think? <laughs> so, well, I I'll bugging you a little bit about that, but I do want to also <laughs> touch on a little bit, given your experience in the environmental space and you know all of the FUD that just gets circulated about, oh, Bitcoin is bad because of this reason or that reason. Like I'm on your side. I see the net positive. I mean, the the drum I always pound on when it comes to like the energy usage of Bitcoin versus gold versus the US dollar, I always remind everyone what backs the US dollar is our military. You really don't think our entire military 
complex doesn't actually use more energy than Bitcoin mining, really? So I'd love to just sort of poke your brain on, on ways you see to bridge that gap between the environmentalists who maybe are stuck on the Bitcoin uses so much energy and how do we show them the light? Uh, I mean, the conclusion I've come to is I, I wouldn't necessarily um, debate it on their terms, which is the amount of energy it uses. I mean, it's, 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 inter- it's, it's obviously a nice analogy to tell someone, you know, how much energy what we call tumble dryers, clothes dryers uses, and, you know, and, and various other things about renewable energy and the amount of renewable energy that Bitcoin uses, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think any of those are the correct way to aim at it because um, the goalposts continue to change. And, and I guarantee you, the people that are screaming that it uses too much energy now will be satisfied with the renewable content for a matter of seconds before they start saying it's using too much renewable energy. And even if the whole thing was run on renewable energy, the, the, the argument would still be, well, shouldn't we be using that energy for something else? And the crux of it is those people don't value Bitcoin. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you, if you value Bitcoin, you don't care about any of that stuff. And even if you go into it and, and the way to value Bitcoin is to understand it. And the way to value the energy use of Bitcoin is to understand proof of work. And if you, and it's not an easy task, you know, it's, it's, it's taken me a long time to really get to the sort of near to the center of proof of work. And I'm sure there's another thousand miles to go, but you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about this over the years that know a lot more about it than me. And they've really helped me to come to understand the importance of, of proof of work, especially, or even just the, the, the fact that, you know, if you want, that money has to have a costliness to it, you know, which, which well, like I say, proof of work and what is money and all these big, big, big questions have to be tackled in order for you to value Bitcoin. Because the moment you value Bitcoin, which we all do, and there's many things you can value about it, it's fuck you money it's decentralized money it's like you know it's it's all these different things and and, and everyone comes at it from a different um a, a different angle but the the revolution and the kind of the invention or the discovery was proof of work bridging the the, the divide between the digital world and the physical world and and giving scarcity in the digital world is an invention it's like you know it, it it's it's hard for I think you've got to grasp this because otherwise you'll 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 open your you'll open your computer and you'll see six thousand shit coins and go what the fuck is all this all about you know and and um, without understanding that there was an invention before all this happened there was an invention and there hasn't been a new invention since you know the other uh, the, the, the coin your favorite coin other than Bitcoin doesn't necessarily have this same groundbreaking discovery in in the sort of the scarcity of the digital realm you know and so so arguably you know you there's no easy way to go about it to convince anyone about bitcoin's value but one thing i have noticed is slowly but surely um as i mean everyone has a touch point with bitcoin um and eventually if the world carries on going in the direction it's going i'd argue that a lot of people are going to have a touch point with it because it's it, it represents freedom in so many ways and it's hard to not notice 
this kind of this movement towards authoritarian that that we're seeing in various places around the world some more than others um but when those kind of things start happening to you um then then things like bitcoin become super important um and they become part of the the, the solution to to um the problem that you start seeing around you and i think um for me like i said um the, the the state of the world now is something we've been talking about i remember talking about you know in the in the 1980s people were talking about getting microchips in your hand and 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 being tracked everywhere you went and i remember thinking yeah that that'll almost certainly be a problem in the future but who cares you know that's actually now a problem for us right now it's actually really it really is happening it's it's like it's being it's been made it's being talked about and suddenly exactly suddenly now you can see how it's going to be implemented and and you can see how everyone's gonna going to sort of like well not everyone but a large number of people are actually gonna invite it into their lives just like we've invited phones into our lives and that is now suddenly beginning scary because we didn't in the 80s when we spoke about it we didn't have the technology technology we have now and it was very difficult to comprehend how it might be such a dystopian you know digital world because everything back then is like digital is great it's, it's amazing it's phenomenal which it is i mean it's, well, it's neutral it's just that if you think if you live in a country that's pretty authoritarian and you think that's bad you wait till you get into the author authoritarian digital world that is which is kind of like where we're being coaxed into quite successfully as well i mean you know even if you're if you know all this stuff it's very difficult to to sidestep it but thank god the technology of bitcoin you know arose at this particular point and, and was discovered because it it really is in my estimation anyway it's it's an all or nothing scenario i i really do think you know you sooner or later you will have a choice the, the, there only appears to be two paths from here and one is it's this it's centralization versus decentralization and it's the it's the big battle that's uh, you know the collectivist versus the individuals it, it's the big battle that that's happening at the moment the pendulum has swung somewhat in the favor of the the centralists and and let's hope we we sort of like ride a nice wave back to the middle with the, with the decentralists My fellow clubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you are a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. Want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. Um, 
Absolutely. I mean, there there are a few things I want to unpack. I mean, firstly, you brought up sort of the energy cost that goes into money, if you will. Um, I'm going to try to paraphrase Jeff Booth, who I think put it excellently, where he kind of talks about what we don't see when we look at the price of gold is there is still an inherent cost to mine the gold, and that is baked into the price. There is an inherent cost to maintaining the US dollar, and that is baked into its value. And there is an inherent cost in mining Bitcoin that also is baked into its value. And as a result, because of this mining process, if you will, there will be a base level of value based on how much energy and the energy cost it takes to create or mine or transact said Bitcoin. So as long as that is happening, there is in theory going to be value in this asset. Um, the other point, and I, for those who didn't see when, uh, when Timothy was sort of talking about the decentralization nature, uh, that stemmed from like the idea that we're going to have microchips in our bodies to, we have a microchip in our pockets. I was holding up my phone and, um, there's an excellent, excellent, excellent next Netflix documentary called, um, the social dilemma where they kind of talk about like the creation of these different social media platforms and what it is entailed and caused and created. And one of the hearings where a former employee of Facebook who was urging uh, political leaders to essentially like create restrictions on the reach of social media and social networks equated what we're witnessing now to what was being done and what was being said about TV when it was first introduced in the 50s and all of a sudden access to TV for every single household had a TV and every single kid was now being raised by a TV instead of their nanny and what effect is that going to have on the future of that generation being raised at that time. Well, here we are fast forward now 60, 70 years, and we have a different form of technology and, and social media and just our phones and the addictive nature that these, these apps and these, this technology has created in our human body and psychology. And to your point, every single company is centralized. I mean, that's, in, that's just the nature of business is you have a group of leaders, whether it be one person, a board or an entire, uh, company that gets to voice their opinions, but you have this centralized entity that controls and dictates what can or can't be done. Um, I am curious though, because I, I know that you say it's sort of one, either or, we're either going to be decentralized or, or centralized. I frankly actually think the third option is where I sort of align, which is there's going to be you have to live in harmony of the two and there will be certain things that are decentralized ideally like our financial system and money and there will be certain things that are centralized like protections and local governments but it, yeah I, i'm curious I, sorry i was talking about the money yeah okay I was paraphrasing but yeah no i agree 100 percent. i mean you know like I say, centralization and decentralization is a is a metronome, you know, and and ideally you find a balance with like with everything. And I'm almost certain that that balance would involve decentralized money because money is the base layer of almost like the human experience. And by that, I mean, you know, the value decisions that we make are expressed through money and that the value and our values are, are one of the networks that hold us all together, you know, um, so so. It's very important that the base layer of existence doesn't have someone in charge of it um, who can who can manipulate it, which is the system we exactly have now. And you were talking about, um, you know, costliness of money. And 
I, I mean, if anyone's listening to this who, who's never asked themselves the question, what is money? It's a super, super important thing to dive into because, and, and it's good to start with the history of money because um, historically um, money had, you know, good money had certain properties and costliness was one of them. And it, it's a fascinating look into the past when you, even when you go back to like cowrie shells or something, you know, the proof of working cowrie shells was, was three days walking to the to the beach from the middle of the <laughs> of an island collecting the shells the knowledge of knowing where they are bringing them back uh, and there's the cost of you know there's the proof of work right there the fact the shell is in your hand um is, is the proof that it has value because the only way to get one of those shells is through value so that value can then be transferred so it's an expression of what you value, you imbue with that into that shell and you pass it on to someone else. And, you know, and, and there's been various incarnations of, of shells and cowrie shells. And every time, I mean, it's like, as a, I've traveled for years and beads is something I've been interested in for, for many, many years. And bead history is, is almost like the history of civilization. When, when you see, uh, you know, like the, the Venetians, when they, um, realized that they could create glass beads very easily which had super value in other parts of the world in certainly in africa and the african continent um they're printing money basically you know and and they can steam into africa and do whatever they want just printing off these just just um creating these small glass beads that are ten a penny back home you know and then and you know all of these things are are the corruption of value and if if the value's not when the value's corrupted everything gets corrupted because all our judgments about how we interact and what we value and and how we store our sort of work becomes corrupted and um and the temptation to corrupt a, a money a centralized money supply has always happened historically and you could argue it's never not going to happen. It's a, it's a totally natural thing to do. You know, you try, if, if, if you had the, you, if you had access to the money printer, you know, what are you going to do? Even if you're the most saintly guy on the planet, are you going to print a bit off when you need it? And you might not do it when things are good, but when the shit's the fan and you know that that money printer's there, you're going to go for it. And, and you're devaluing the value you're literally devaluing in, in that motion. Plus, of course, it's just unfair, and I think I, I, I like the scales of justice to be to be good, you know, to be you know in line with each other. Because, um, but yeah, and you, you know, and I'm talking about social media as well. I've got three children, and uh, we've we've kept them away from um, most of well, all social media, but also a lot of other things. And the the more the more the older they get, the the happier I am that we've done that since the beginning. Um, certainly because at the moment that they, they don't know what they're missing and they don't care anyway, but I'm pr progressively reading more and more about the sort of macro implications of social media um, in, in youngsters. And, and it's very subtle, but I was reading a fascinating article the other day about, uh, it was by someone who works with children and, and especially sort of, children with sort of like you know who weren't weren't doing too well and um he said the way that children interact or teenagers interact in many of the situations he's in is really strange and unsettling and and a lot of it occurs through technology 
you know, and that the face-to-face interactions are different to, to, than what he remembers when he was young. And, and we all know that to a, to a larger or smaller degree. But what we don't know is actually what the longer-term implications are going to be. Um, and I don't. I don't. All I know is that, that there seem to be, in my interpretation of it, there are the, the, the benefits do not outweigh the costs at the moment. Um, but, you know, as we were saying earlier, when everyone's on social media, it's very difficult to buck the trend and not be on it um, because you feel like you're missing out. But then, you know, if you're a Bitcoiner, you already know that feeling. Been, Ignorance is called... bliss. Ignorance is, <laughs> I, I commend you and your, your partner for being able to you know, keep your kids, not I wouldn't say naive, but like show them what the world is like because social media is not the world. And unfortunately, too many kids are growing up with this idea that this is real life. Um, although well, I, I think will a lot say, of people, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of parents these days um, forget, I think, that they know a lot more about life than their kids. And, and one of our jobs is basically in the beginning, this is literally to tell them what to do. You know, a lot of, a lot of people don't, I, I like it, before I had kids, I didn't tell anyone what to do. I was very libertarian. And then as soon as I got kids, you, you have to adopt that side of yourself. You have to, you have to sort of nurture it. And, and um, it's important to say, look, no, you're not doing that. You're absolutely not doing that. And when, you're, when, you, know, when you get to a certain age and, and, we've, and, we let, and you, you know, you're free from us, you can do whatever you want. But in the meantime, we've got a plan for you. And it's based upon what we think we know and what I know. And then what I know from social media as well, because I use social media. And sometimes I, you know, without realizing it, you know, I'll realize that I've just been sat watching bullshit on TikTok for an hour. And I'm like, holy, you know, and you have to slap yourself around the face and go, yeah, and I'm a 50 year old guy that, that loves the real world. And what am I doing? What am I watching it? Now you imagine kids and they are super susceptible to staring at things, you know, like moving things. I mean, because we don't allow us to, 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 to use screens except on certain times, like they're, they're allowed to play on an iPad for, <laughs> this is going to sound so like I'm, I'm the, I'm in the worst authoritarian ever, but they're only allowed to play on um, a, 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 an iPad for one hour on a Saturday morning, each of them. And they get a watch and they press the thing and they get an out and they all play a version of Minecraft. It's not Minecraft game like Minecraft, you know, and they think about it all week. It's bizarre. You know, they, they're literally talking about what they're going to do on that hour, like days in advance. And, and they get up at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to go and do it. And, you know, that's not, not good because what they're producing in Minecraft is, is, is nothing. Obviously if they were building an actual house or they were building, or they were digging an actual hole, then, then I would have a lot more trust in what they were doing. But Minecraft is something that if it gets hold of you as a child, because I do know some friends whose children just play it all the time. And, and that is the metaverse right there. And, and if you, if you, if you, because I absolutely don't think it's good for, for kids and and you know and when 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 someone else you know like I say and all this talk of the metaverse and etc of late um that's your best example of what it's like and I don't trust the metaverse at all and I'm probably gonna his, reside in history as being an old fart that didn't understand it but currently 
what I do know about the real world and real interactions and 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 you know I I I really do I do prefer that side and I so like you said I'm going to ground my kids in that reality before they kind of get lost in in the in the metaverse obviously if we're in a simulation, then what I just oh, said is a load of bollocks, a load of bullshit. I, honestly, I need to just have aluminum foil right here because I could I could talk to you <laughs> days on end about why I think we are in a simulation right now. But I do want to share as a kid, a, a former kid who grew up, whose parents had an even stricter rule than the one hour on the iPad, which was I was not given my gaming system. I was a PlayStation guy, shout out all my PlayStation stands. Um, but I was only allowed to play my PlayStation on summer, winter, and spring break. During the school year, absolutely not. And to, to your point about what your kids spend all week, I would literally sit there like for my birthday, which was after spring break. But so I'm literally sitting in my birthday for like two months but I'm asking for all of these video games. And I'm literally staring at video game boxes that I cannot open, reading the manual front to back so I can like know how to play it from day one. It was so bad looking back. I There were days where I was playing video games for 72 hours straight, just so nonstop. What, what's, what's your interpretation then as someone, because I've, I've dipped my toes in video games, but really just, I just didn't care, you know, like, but, I mean, do you worry about that? And do you think it's, you know, like, what, what do you think of the metaverse? So, well, I'm torn because the metaverse itself, to your point, it already exists. Like you, you have Minecraft, you have Roblox, you have these interactive games that have already allowed people to create characters, create pseudonyms, and essentially like live in this fantasy reality, whether they're super immersed or it's literally as simple as playing with your keyboard or a, a controller. But in degrees and variations, it exists. I am a very big person on like church and state, work and life. I do my best to separate the two if and when I can. Sometimes those lines get blurred, but I think introducing work into a an almost video game environment is a very, it's, it's a slippery slope. A, yeah. I have a, I have my own reservations and I'm, I'm uncomfortable like I don't own an Oculus. I will gladly be the last person who does. I did, however, have the opportunity to like try one out. And like during whatever at Best Buy when I was there, it took me to Machu Picchu. And I'm literally, I'm afraid of heights. I am deathly <laughs> afraid of heights. I know, my brain knows I am in, at sea level in Best Buy. But the way the program was, I was... 500 feet above Machu Picchu. And there's a video that my roommate has of me where I'm like reaching around, trying to find something to hold on to, to like stabilize in my mind that I'm actually there. That component of it, so scary. So scary because I know in my head, I am not there. I know in my head, my feet are on the ground. And yet because of the way my brain processed what I am seeing, the fear of, I am so high up, my feet is my feet are on nothing. I in theory should just be falling based on logic and reasoning. I am just in the middle of the sky. I'm falling to the ground. Um, I, 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 I'm sorry to butt in, but no, no, no. I, I have got an Oculus and I bought it during lockdown to go to those Bitcoin meetups um, that, um, who is it who was organizing them? Oh, Jesus. 
um, whatever. There was the there were these weekly um, VR meetups where different speakers would have would come on. And uh, it was great, but I had social anxiety at them. It was it was ironic, you know, because they the 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 environment that they happened in was like an auditorium. So you'd walk in, sit down, and and listen to some people on stage do a talk, and then afterwards they'd say, right, you know, everyone just get up and have a bit of a mixer, and I couldn't approach anyone, just like I can't. <laughs> but. But but the truth is, like if you, they, whilst I remember at the time thinking that that was quite radical, what was going on, because I, I I really appreciated sitting in that room full of Bitcoiners, because I didn't for for years I didn't know any Bitcoiners, you know, like a lot of guys, um, and certainly during lockdown I didn't see any Bitcoiners. Everyone I was sort of interacting with was online, um, so being in a room of feeling like you were part of something was really good. But then again, and I have never been to the Bitcoin conference, but everyone that you speak to who went said the the energy is unbelievable, the, the, you know, blah, blah. And obviously it doesn't compare to, you know, 20,000 NIMS on, a, on, on Oculus's standing in a room, you know. So, so I would still say that shows you, you know, I mean, obviously though, the, the, the metaverse in the end will be indistinguishable from this, I would imagine. Now, that makes total sense technologically that which is you know so so who knows man i think it's gonna whatever it is it's gonna really fuck with people's brains when 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 um uh, uh, you know and, and it may even open up our brains to the understanding of what reality is because when you cannot distinguish between you know you being in uh, you know there and here then you have to question reality don't you and, and who knows where that leads <laughs> again Tim, I need to get my tinfoil hat. You and me will just sit there for hours on end <laughs> just discussing this because we are. We are in a simulation. We are. Right, yeah. I, but, I, I saw a stat the other day that someone said it's 50-50. They reckon it's 50-50 that we're in a simulation, which makes total sense to me because I would say the same thing. I could argue both both ways, 50%, you know. <laughs> um I do want to just very quickly take this opportunity. You you brought up the conference, and yes, I am going to plug it. I am going to bring it up. Uh, I'm gonna. Are you? Will you be coming down to the conference or coming up to the conference this year? I I really hope so. Um, there are a couple of things that I need to sort out in order to go, but I'm very close. I'm literally a short flight away. Um, yeah, that's 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 a discussion for off screen. <laughs> I. Uh, I will say this as someone who attended the conference, not as a member of the Bitcoin community, but purely as just like a, a speculative investor, if you will. Um, I had an absolute ball just being around all of those people who all are aligned with the end goal of hyper-Bitcoinization and Bitcoin changing the world for the better. Whatever avenue you want to see Bitcoin do that through, whether it's through the financial markets, whether it's through um, strictly just, um, what's it called? Um, like philosophy, politics, whatever aspect of Bitcoin that resonates the most with you, there is there are groups at this conference that are going to talk to you about what they're working on, get you excited. And who knows, if you're not working in this industry, you could be exactly like me and find yourself working at one of these Bitcoin companies just a few months, short months after that. So highly recommend. I know there is a code uh, down there for all you viewers. This code is only going to last for like two more days. So be sure to use it, YTMAG. 
Um, I hope I don't get in trouble for reminding people that there's only two more days for that code, but go buy the tickets. Um, back to our actual conversation here though. Well, I, I've got a question for you about that because, um, I, I did a podcast well, a few years ago, I forget whose it was, a Bitcoin podcast. And um, I mentioned on it that, you know, even though I've been in the same industry for, you know, 25 years and I, and it's, it's, a, it's the kind of job that everyone goes, oh, I'd love to do that. Um, you know, in the last few years, it, it, it sort of like it, it became something that I wasn't really that interested in when I compared it to, to the Bitcoin movement, you know, and, and, and I said on that podcast, um, you know, like if someone offered me a job in a Bitcoin company, I'd take it right now. I'd move my family to the other side of the world. And I actually, I actually really did mean it. And I, and after the podcast, I got loads of messages from people not offering me a job, which would have been nice, but from people in the same situation as me. So my question to you is, um, how, what do you, what do you say to people who absolutely want to work in a Bitcoin company, but who don't have any of the skills that, that when you look on a Bitcoin job board, it's mainly developers or people that have worked in businesses before, because I think most people like myself, who, especially people who've run their own business for years, we could put our hand. We'd be pretty good. And, and judging by, like I say, the number of people that have contacted me since saying, oh, I'm exactly the same position. I, I've, you know, I've, I've done very well in my current job, but, but I've realized that actually the job to be in is, is pushing forward hyper Bitcoinization because it's the, the thing you, you get up at five o'clock every morning to do. So, so what, what's your advice then to, to people like myself and those people? I mean, I, I think I'm the perfect case study of someone with like, I, Candidly, I was actually trying to get a technical job. I wanted to be a data analyst and like I spent some time learning how to code. And yet here I am using no technical capabilities whatsoever. Um, it's really like, yes, you're absolutely right. A majority of the jobs are technical, heavy developer type jobs. But at the same time, I would say like Alex, Alex actually has a great story about this. Like he, if he wants to hop on and share it, otherwise I'm just going to steal his story. But like he cold emailed Safety, just offering like to work for him for free. And I think that's a really interesting avenue to pursue where like there are definitely people that are watching who resonate with certain podcasts or certain speakers, certain like thought leaders in this space and reach out to them, their businesses. I mean, to your point, every business has a marketing team. Every business has a sales team. I mean, if you want to actually look at the age of the people who work at Bitcoin Magazine, like I am like one of the elder statesmen and I'm not even on the other side of 30 yet. So it's very much like a young burgeoning industry. It's one of the reasons I love it. I had a, uh, a friend of mine one time who years ago, he was in the Bitcoin industry and he was explaining to me, he was working down in Brazil. And what he was explaining to me because I was working in Hollywood at the time. And his whole thing was like the difference between your industry and mine is your industry is long established. If every industry is like wet clay, an industry that's long established like Hollywood, that clay is hardened. They have set their ways of the processes and what they want to do and how they want to do things. You can't really like imprint or change or shape things without just breaking it down. Whereas with the Bitcoin industry in particular, like it's 13 years old, the industry itself is even like not even that old, you turn around and you get to sort of see like this wet clay blob that is being formed and formulated and built. And you get to like really shape it 
I think that's one of the most exciting things is if you have an idea, if you have a thought about Bitcoin, run with it. If you ever want to tell the story about Bitcoin, come to Bitcoin Magazine. We will happily publish any thought, any idea, regardless of stance or belief or position. I mean, look at Svetsky's article yesterday where he just point blank was shitting on Bitcoiners and telling people to sell. Meanwhile, he is the hardcore Bitcoin maximalist at the same time. That's one of the things I love about Bitcoin Magazine is we're never going to hold you back from saying or doing whatever you want. Um, I definitely think that there is there's always a way to do it. Um, uh, Christian Corolla, CK, Snark, who heads up Bitcoin Magazine, his story is incredible where once he learned about Bitcoin, he quit his job on the spot, asked his parents for Christmas that year for a conference ticket to, it wasn't even the Bitcoin conference, just like a larger cryptocurrency conference, but Bitcoin and BTC Inc. were there. And he started off just working in sales for the Bitcoin conference, selling advertisers to come to the conference. Now he heads up and runs Bitcoin magazine, but it goes to show you like, you just got to get your foot in the door, um, regardless of what your experience is. And then from that, it can transition into what you aspire to do in this industry. It's good advice. I, uh, the, the only problem for someone like myself is <laughs> I'm 50. <laughs> oh, totally I agree. I, like I got, I got my first job literally exactly that way. I, I, I walked into a newspaper in London and got a job and I had dreadlocks at the time and I, they were right down to the back of my ass. Like I, I had a, I had a lo very long dreadlocky hair, but I had absolute enthusiasm. And I still, well, not, I haven't seen him for a while, but I still know the guy that gave me my first job in the media. And he, he was right. And I, I'm the same here. It's like my enthusiasm was much more important than my ability at that particular time um, because I learned it. And, and you, know, every, you know, especially in an industry like Bitcoin, I suppose, there's, you know, there, there are no experts from, there are no 25-year experts in Bitcoin, you know. So, so you know, your enthusiasm and understanding for it are, are super important, but but yeah, someone needs to make a, a a job board for the for the oldies like myself and like I say, all the guys that I know who, because in a way, like and and we we try this, but but we're expected to just start companies in Bitcoin, and m me personally, you know, I've I've run my own company for so long, I just want to work for someone. <laughs> I want someone else to tell me what to do so I can just like focus on something because you, you know, um, it's very difficult to, to switch from, I mean, like in my case, the way to, to work within Bitcoin is to, is to make Bitcoin films or to, you know, but, but sometimes we, we, we just want to people. I know a lot of guys who are just absolutely ripe for, for something completely different, you know, and, and, um, and, and, you know, like my particular case, I love the mining world. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I think good job working physically with your hands, working on mines, you know, helping build things, you know, these kind of things are, are, are jobs that a lot of guys I know would, would love, but they don't know anyone that works in the oil and gas industry. <laughs> They've never met a single person in the mining industry at all, you know, and um, it's just, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's something that the person that, I mean, obviously as the, as it, as it, as the whole space grows, I suppose, there's more work in that, in that sense. But certainly uh, whoever's listening, if you've got an idea, I know a load of people who aren't 18 to 25 or 18 to 30, 
who are desperate to sort of apply their skills to that world. And they all come from very different worlds. I know doctors, surgeons, um, you know, media people, everyone. And other than us all grouping together and, and creating our own thing, which is fine, but but sometimes, you know, that there, there's a time and a place for those kind of things. And, and uh, you know, but whoever, whoever can sort of start putting those people together, yeah, you've got, that, that would be a great service, I think. Um, I, I want to continue this conversation definitely with you. Um, it will probably have to happen offline, but there's also just another project that I am baking up here at Bitcoin Magazine that I think after this entire conversation that you and I have, have had, literally my mind is racing to be like, I just want to, I, I want to go offline and talk to you about something. Um, but absolutely, I could definitely see, I know Pomp has his job list, but it is very much oriented for developer types, like young, ambitious, hungry people. Um, I have it's, ever- also, it's also that the non-tech jobs are, uh, are kind of like business jobs, let's say. And when you look at the um, requirements, it says five years in business development, you know, like I don't even know what business development is, but I've run a successful business for 25 years, you know, so I'm probably good at business development. I don't know. (laughs) I don't really know what any of those things are because I work in a world where everyone just does their thing, you know, and we create what we create and we put together everything I've ever done is apart from when I worked, uh, you know, as a journalist has been self created, you know, like we, we ran, we run a company where we, we run, uh, we take people on remote to remote expedition on remote expeditions and stuff. And it, it was all built from nothing, literally from the ground up, you know, you just go to a place, you find a team, you create an itinerary, you try it out and then people come with you in a year's time, you know, and, but, but it becomes tiring after a while. And also, I don't know about you, but I find, like, I, I was talking to a friend on Zoom yesterday about this exact thing. It's like, I don't have any ideas. Like, I, I can't think how to impact the Bitcoin world. Like, you know, like, I, I'm normally a pretty good ideas person, you know, but it's almost like I know what I want in that in the in, in the bitcoin world and i've got it you know like something like a way to dca you know like hardware wallets like you know like i can i look at it all and i think yeah pretty good like you know, i'm not even you know and and i suppose that's because i lack the technical understanding of where this is all going um because for sure there's there's all kinds of you know and 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 then i, so I suppose i end up reverting back to what i know and and it doesn't fit greatly with the with the uh, with the Bitcoin world, but other than so say making films or or whatever, you know. Um, I I can see why it can be I think difficult at times to just like continue that chug. I I was actually on the other end of the spectrum where I was working fully for myself, and I was not willing to give that up. Um, so that was part of. I, I was on the other end where I I finally realized oh it it is great to not be told what to do. It's, it's great to, oh, I, I, today, I just don't want to work. I'll, I'll add a day of my work on my work like this weekend, but I'm just not going to work today because I don't want to. I loved that aspect of working for myself. Um, but also yeah. to your point, like we go through this issue, especially on the live show um, and just with all of our content where all of us are Bitcoiners, all of us believe in Bitcoin and all of us want to convince other people to believe in Bitcoin. However, we sometimes have this, 
we lack the ability, and I think it's a little bit of empathy to understand what non-Bitcoiners see and cater our storytelling to them because it, I am worried, and I brought this up on the show multiple times about we are getting to a point, I think, where we have almost hit everyone who's going to be a maximalist. Every hardcore Bitcoiner knows about Bitcoin at this point. There may be a few others that trickle in over the coming decade and years. However, that like core base is established. But that next layer of Bitcoin fans, if you will, are not going to be the diehards, but they're going to be people who are invested, who believe in it, but they're going to believe in it in one aspect of it whether it's the financial aspect, whether it's the political aspects, philo philosophical, uh, et cetera. So I do think to your point, it is, it is on us in the industry to tell the stories that convince and help people who are not involved in the industry to better understand this and get them involved in this space. I'm not sure I, I agree with you that there aren't any many more maximalists to come in. I mean, just looking at my own experience of Bitcoin, um, I, the, I, I literally had mental blocks to being exposed to it. You know, like it wasn't that I hadn't heard, of, it wasn't, yeah, I hadn't heard about it. Like you, you would be amazed, like working in the media, like, well, the media I worked in um, is an incredibly insulating bubble. I mean, you know, it, you know, it really was because I, I wish I would have heard about Bitcoin, at eight, you know, much earlier than I actually did. But, but I, you know, and I still know a lot of people that heard of it, will hear about it and then they'll hear one bit of news about it. Like, like the most obvious one is that whenever Bitcoin crashes in price, everyone hears about it. And, and then they just live off that for years. Sometimes <laughs> you'll see that you'll see the same person a few years later and it'll, and they still think Bitcoin crashed because that's all they heard, you know? And, um, so, so, but, but I think the inevitable, um, the, 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 there's an inevitability, at least to a certain degree of Bitcoin maximalism. Um, the question is, are you prepared to find out? Like, maybe you're right. Maybe a lot of people don't really need to know. Like, I don't need to know how, how the, the legacy financial system really works, but I have actually found it out. Um, you know, because I was interested and I've always suspected that it was a, very unfair scam <laughs> and it turns out that it was um you know, like really unfair. casino based out of wall street isn't legit yeah. <laughs> I, I i don't mean to cut you off i always go back to the fact that you can buy a single stock you can buy a double leveraged version of the stock you can buy a triple leveraged version of the stock you can buy options on it you can short it you can there are infinite ways to make money on a single equity that blows my mind as to why we don't ring the bell of like this is literally fraudulent fake and yet somehow we like derive global dominance based on the fact that everyone wants to put their businesses through this funnel that is the legal casino of wall street well i agree and i think a lot of it it comes down to the fact that no one ever teaches you about this no one ever speaks to you about it like at school no one ever it's never touched upon like i did i mean we in, in the uk we have before you're 18 you do a set of exams and the highest exams you get to do are called a levels or work called a levels and i did a level economics like i did it and i and i i remember when we did credit creation 
I, I wrote credit creation is something along the lines of it's a way to make money out of thin air. And, you know, I had an essay come back with a big red line going through it saying, no, it's not, you know, and I kind of went, okay. But the point was, we never spoke like with all this teaching of economics it's, and, and the like, it stops at a point. It never goes to the, the, the macro of what the hell the whole thing is that's going on. And because if you started there, if you started at the, the, you know, like the fact that the fiat money currently is not backed by gold, for example, um, um, and then you trace, well, why was it at one point? Yes, it was partially, then fully, then, you know, there's a great, and you can understand, you can really understand why people would do that. Because I, I don't blame people for, for going down the fiat money route, because it, it makes total sense if you're, if you're, if you're one of the winners, you win really big, you know, and I, and I think it's very natural for a human to want to do that. Um, but, but we, we would never taught the concept of hard money, the concept of even the history of money, which like I say, is amazingly interesting. It's not like it's boring and you're just going to sit there and go, Oh my God, the history of money and why we use what we've used as money is an absolutely fantastic, fantastic, you know, an interesting subject for kids too. Um, uh, it's just that no one talks about it. And the, the conspiracy theorist in me says it's cause they don't want you to know about it. Um, but it is also just because it's the way it is, you know, it's been well, like I that think for a long right. time. I, I think you're absolutely, they don't want us to understand money markets because it is when you start to really dissect what happens as far as like, what is money creation? How did we end up in this, like removing ourselves from the gold standard? I had the opportunity to read a book that last week we we talked with the author and he really broke down like the history of banking and how historically we have done this. We have gone on a gold standard and then gone off of a gold standard and then seen rapid inflation and then had to correct and go back to some sort of gold standard. That, exactly. that is cyclical going as far back as the 1400s. Like this is not something new. We're, we unfortunately didn't reinvent the wheel when it came to like going off the gold standard or putting the entire global market on the US dollar backed system, which was then backed by the gold standard after Bretton Woods. Like none of this was original. We just continue to recycle, but because we don't teach it, because we don't take the time to like dissect why or what we're doing and what the outcomes are, we're doomed to just continuously repeat the same mistakes. Mm. Well, or not even, we're not the one in a way, we're not making mistakes. Someone is, is, is making a lot of money. <laughs> like as, someone, as Fox, someone is granting themselves the ability to create money, which is the complete antithesis of Bitcoin. You know, you, 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 you have to work for your money. You literally have to do work, uh, or, you know, either way on a, on a, on a Bitcoin standard work has to happen. You have to add value in order to possess the, the Bitcoin. And um, it's a really interesting, you know, concept because it's a bit like, you know, in, recently there's been a bit of a resurgence of, of the idea of personal responsibility, you know, which is, it sounds like a really old fashioned kind of idea, but all of a sudden there's a lot of youngsters out there going, wow, personal responsibility is quite cool. Actually, it's not sort of some old fuddy-duddy thing. And it, it, the same goes for, for, all, for, for, for proof of work, I think, is, there is a very, when you, when you kind of go in to the concept of proof of work, you just start seeing it everywhere and you start seeing everything as a proof of work. And then you start noticing where it is that people decide to not work 
you know, and, and, and that's sort of like in, in rent seeking situations and in other places. And you really start, it really starts to get your goat up. It, it, it starts to annoy you a bit because it's like, yeah, you know, like it, it seems very fair and honest that you, you need to work for your, you know, for your value. And, and it's kind of like something that plebs do naturally, I think. It's just inbred, it's inbuilt, in, in, inbuilt within us. Um, but, but yeah, it's like, like I say, you, once, you, once you start thinking about the concept of proof of work, you can see it everywhere. And there, there seems to be like two, two ways to do it. One is, to, is to, to, to seek the work and the other one is to seek the rent. And one of them just feels much better just feels a more honest, more like, um, more real, more, you know, there's more camaraderie amongst the, amongst the workers than there are amongst the rent seekers, if you know what I mean, you know, like in it. And, and that's kind of like what a pleb is as far as I can tell. And in going back to what we were talking about working and, and people wanting to work in, in the Bitcoin world, for me, a large part of that was, I just want to work with Bitcoiners. I want to be, even if I go to some shitty office job, I don't care. I want to work with Bitcoiners because there's this certain understanding about what it means to sort of like, you know, to live and the way you live. And, and, uh, I think there's a lot of isolated Bitcoiners out there because it, because of the nature of the decentralized world of Bitcoin, but also just because they just don't know any Bitcoiners around there and they're reaching out online and finding their community, but, but not meeting in real life, uh, um, that much and and that's my segue back into you talking about the bitcoin conference there you go <laughs> i appreciate that we do have a few minutes um before jerome powell just sends the markets into complete and total frenzy oh, and God, chaos yeah. so we now, will be i know a lot of you in the comments are asking that has not started yet but when it does we will be streaming that and you will hear my scratchy raspy voice like just get so angry at the stupid things powell will say um but yes please if you have not yet bought your tickets, please make sure you make your way to Miami. It is going to just be, it's going to be the Bitcoin event of the year. Last year's was, and it it was truly life-changing for me to attend. It was just a great time. I will say like at one point, the lines for food were kind of chaotic and I promise they won't be this time, but like we had fun with it. I think at one point I convinced the guy behind me, hey, if I go to the bar and grab a drink, can you just save my spot and I'll grab you a drink? And we just kept going back and forth like that until like our section of the line was just having its own like mixer and party. And it was great. <laughs> like you never know. And, and to your point too, like this was a gentleman who was like north of 50. And so like it's people of all ages, people of all exposure to Bitcoin are going to be there. And it's an excellent opportunity to like, you're going to meet people that you follow on Twitter. You're going to meet thought leaders and hear them speak. Um, President Bukele last year announced El Salvador uh, was going to go on legal tender at the conference, and he will actually be making an appearance at the conference with another special announcement. Um, we continue to take bets internally of what will this announcement be. Um, my pick is he's going to uh, announce on behalf of another country. Um, I know Kaiser kind of alluded to that as well in an interview the other day. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but yeah, it, I did. I, I, I think it, it was it was it Argentina or was it uh, or, uh, he said Guatemala and then oh, right. on the screen was like stop talking you can't say this stuff oh really okay 
Yeah. No, I think I heard the last couple of weeks as well, murmurings of Mexico as well. <clears throat> I've heard Mexico, Panama. Kaiser's the first I've heard of Guatemala. And I think he literally said that to put us off the trail. But I can, I think it's going to come from Central America. Um, I would love to see Argentina. I would love to spend some time down in Argentina. So I am very down with a Bitcoin standard down there. It's really, it, it really, I, I haven't over the years, I haven't given Central America the, the, the respect I think that it's been due. I, I've traveled a lot in Asia and, you know, over that side of the world. Um, but really it's a sensational place and it's, it's super vibrant. It feels super vibrant at the moment. And uh, I can't wait to get to El Salvador. I really can't. I, I have no expectations at all. In fact, I have, you know, I have very low expectations because I know a lot of people that um, have been spent quite a bit of time there. And, you know, everyone says, look, don't get your hopes up. It's not like you're going to be walking around spending, you know, Bitcoin everywhere. Um, but I don't care. I just think that what's going on there is is impressive and exciting. And um, like I say, yesterday, we, I, I was chatting with a few of my Bitcoin friends about a project we were thinking of doing. And the conversation came out about regulation or you can't do this because of that and blah, blah, blah. And it just occurred to me, imagine if your own government was a, was a Bitcoin government and anything you could dream up would sort of by default have the backing of the, of the kind of people that run the country. What a phenomenal experience that would be to not be thinking about what you can't do and, and instead thinking about what you can do so that's what i find most exciting about el salvador um i think that's a great place for us to to wrap things up um from your lips to god's ears timothy that countries around the world adopt that and uh hopefully that leads to a much more peaceful and fruitful world and lifestyle um where can our viewers find you follow you um I know we've been sharing your Twitter uh, handle, but is there anywhere else that you, you'd you suggest our viewers who wanted to no. know more about you to find you? Find me in El Salvador <laughs> in, in a few months. And and if you, you know, I, I'm on Twitter, obviously, and my, all my other stuff, it's very easy to find me online, but it's not as important these days. You know, I'm probably Twitter, although I don't tweet yet that, that too much, but it's easy to find me. Here you go. Look, there's the Fed. It's about to say something. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for for coming and joining us, Timothy. We're going to give the mic now to, to Jerome Powell. Thanks for having me. Yep. 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 Yep.